the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. Hi, we're back. And you're listening to Ion Real Estate, and so it's 866-970-9622. And as I promised, all through the show, because I am so thrilled and we are so lucky to have Lawrence Young, who's the chief economist of the National Association of Realtors. Um, he's one of the most important economic forecasters in the country. He regularly appears on CNBC, BBC, Bloomberg Television. And again, as I told you earlier on, he's the first one who predicted the rallying of real estate after the recent crashes. You're going to want to hear what he has to say about real estate and its future. And thank you so much. We are so thrilled to have you. I've been, uh, can't tell you. How are you? Uh, hello, Dottie. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, no, thank you. We're so thrilled to have you on the show. And by the way, if you have any questions, you can call at 866-970-9622. So, I mean, there's a million things I can ask you. And by the way, for all our listeners and all the people that are going to get it through YouTube or however, uh, or go to our app, uh, there's a million questions we can ask. So I'm going to try to get what are the most prevalent things that you're seeing in the real estate market? And we're talking about a national market now. We're not talking about just the Northeast or anything like that. Uh, but you have seen the gap between the high end and the low end of the market grow. Um, uh, so what we are seeing right now is that if one looks at the total number of home sales activity, uh, it is modestly down from one year ago. Uh, so combining existing home and new homes, year to date, we are down 2%. Uh, now, some uh, are trying to say that this is an impending doom, but we have to remember this is coming from uh, essentially uh, uh, many consecutive years of steady growth in home sales. So this year, just giving up a bit, uh, and the reason is that the interest rates are rising, home prices have outpaced people's income growth by large margin, but because of the job growth that is occurring in the country, the steady flow of potential new buyers, the lower end market has to remain exceptionally strong, lack of inventory, while on the upper end, homes are sitting on the market for a much longer period. We're seeing that across the country pretty universally. I don't think that's right. That's not really a regional thing. I mean, I think nationally, we're seeing that all over, where the high end is kind of slowed up a bit, and the low end, obviously, you can't get enough. But do you... Uh, th that, that is... 
it's pretty much a nationwide phenomenon. I mean, there are some exceptions. For example, Reno, uh, Nevada, they are seeing many people from San Francisco move into Reno. So the upper end market is very strong in Reno. Uh, but uh, particularly in the uh, tri-states of New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, uh, the New York City greater metro market, uh, there is a, uh, a measurable softness. And I think the potential home sellers need to recognize the market condition, price the home correctly, otherwise it will just become a stale inventory with no buyers coming in. So one has to assess the overall market condition, uh, but the economy is good. Uh, the stock market a little wobbly in recent months, but compared to say one year ago, it is essentially matching up. Uh, compared to two years ago, it is up. Uh, compared to three or four years ago, it is substantially up. So there is a, a high degree of wealth among the upper end. Uh, they are not yet pulling the trigger to buy those expensive homes. Okay, but do you see now, uh, I was reading somewhere that, that, you know, gee, when the interest rates may reach 5%, um, that's kind of a limit. But do you see that, I mean, I, I know it has an impact on what people can borrow, but I look at the millennials and that generation is the largest demographic and they're, they are a generation that likes to buy. Do you see that growing, um, that, that generation buying more and more? And, they, and they're just about in their 30s, 35-ish now. I mean, do you see that? Um, uh, they're uh, in their late 20s, uh, early 30s, right. uh, the prime age of the first time buying. Uh, so the millennial generation is actually larger than the baby boomer generation. So the potential demand source among millennials is very strong. Uh, and given that the economy is supporting, wages finally picking up. So that's a good news. Uh, now, many of the millennials are settled with student debt. They are trying to pay down first before they purchase a home. But this is the source of the demand for starter home, moderately priced home, and hence uh, the demand will remain exceptionally strong on the lower end. Now, with the Amazon second quarter announcement... Yeah, what do you think about uh, that? That is a complete positive news for real estate. That's so right. people who are owners of property, uh, whether it is commercial building, residential home, rental properties, uh, this is a, a boost uh, in terms of the real estate prices. Uh, and it will be steady over time because Amazon is saying that it's not a one-year quick hiring process, uh, but it will be a steady hiring process over the next 10 years, high-paying job. And, of course, it brings a multiplier impact as uh, the Amazon Amazon is located there. There'll be other technology companies who want to be also close by. Uh, and hence, a great news for the Queens, uh, Long Island uh, market. Yeah, and Queens is uh, on fire as it is. I mean, there's so much development there in Astoria and, 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 and Long Island City. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. So I think it's a good thing. But, of course, you get, of course, there's always people who disagree and uh think that it's bad, but I think it's great for New York. And so I'm glad that I said you were going to give your opinion on it. So I'm glad that you you agree. Uh, so let me ask you something. Um, do you, what are you seeing over, like, what do you see the, the obstacles and what do you see the pluses of real estate now? I mean, do you, you know, I mean, people still want to buy and um, I don't see any weakness in people wanting to buy. Um, is inventory low across the country still in the, in the, in the lower end? 
Uh, the inventory is still tight, um, uh, but we are beginning to see a uh, turn. Uh, the inventory overall is uh, rising about 2% from one year before. Uh, this is after three consecutive years of inventory decline, so it's a good news uh, because if one looks at the housing statistics, uh, some of the home sales decline is not due to lack of buyers, but just lack of inventory. So if we have more inventory, especially on those mid-price or little below, uh, there will be media buyers uh, ready to enter the market. Um, so, uh, uh, and the upper end uh, is more of a supply issue where there's too much supply, lack of buying uh, situation. So again, for upper end market, uh, the home sellers need to be realistic in how they price. But on the lower end, uh, the, uh, the aspirational buying, we take survey of millennials, would you like to buy a property or, or stay being a renter? And overwhelming 80% plus said they would like to be a homeowner at some point in the future. So that aspiration remains very, very strong. They just need to get their finances uh, in balance uh, where this rising mortgage rate, which is a great hindrance, uh, but people also need to know that there are many mortgage products with low down payment. Uh, FHA offers at 3.5%. Uh, many of the loans that is offered by banks that can be backed by Fannie and Freddie could be a 3% down payment. Uh, it is not 20% requirement. Uh, so consumers need to recognize that they can enter the market with a low down payment. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of consumers realize that. I mean, we have they, we try to tell people that, you know, you should call up because you don't necessarily have to have 20%, and that's kind of a fallacy uh, that, you know, and at the worst, the, the very least, find out what you qualify. And again, you know, you know me for a long time, so I've experienced the markets that were 11% and 12% and 15%, and so when I hear five, Again, we're used to these low interest rates for so long, but if we go back, the reason we had such low interest rates was because the economy was in the tank and we had no jobs. And so do you think that now that the jobs are growing, and again, I don't know, I don't remember the, the you know, again, depending on the, the type of jobs that are coming back and the pay, do you think eventually that'll kind of even out where that covers for the rise in interest rate? Uh, so the interest rate rising in itself uh, is not a good news for housing, but we have to see why it is rising. Interest rates are rising because of the good economy, uh, and, and anytime there's a job creation, uh, that is a solid uh, fundamental factors for housing demand. So in the past, and Dari, uh, you uh, refer correctly that in the past, mortgage rate averaged 10%. It averaged 8% uh, back in the year 2000, and when it sunk down to 6%, people were cheering uh, back right. in the you know, 2005 uh, period. <laughs> so now we're just talking about interest rate going up from 4% to now 5% uh, with job creation. And uh, in my view, uh, the rising interest rate is negative, but job creation is positive, and those effects essentially cancel each other out. So home sales will be roughly even next year, and home price growth will still be positive, uh, especially on the moderately priced homes. I think there could still be some multiple bidding process, uh, but the bifurcation, strong lower-end housing demand, upper-end market, somewhat soft, 
But in order to attract buyers on the upper end, just get the pricing correct. That is to say, don't list the price too high uh, and deter buyers, but just uh, reduce it a bit, and then they will be able to make those transactions. I think that's so important. Now, what do you think the effect of has been on the limitation of tax deductions on mortgage interest and in properties, I think, uh, especially in the uh, higher price markets? Uh, so uh, there is a tax reform. Uh, so if one looks at for various income category, uh, everyone is getting a tax cut. Uh, and, and so, uh, but one negative uh, of it is they provided some limitation on large mortgages, uh, as well as how much one could deduct in terms of property tax, uh, sort of combination of state and in- local income tax. Uh, and given uh, that New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut is high tax states, right. uh, the, the, some of the people on the upper end cannot fully deduct everything like they used to do. And I think that could be one of the reasons why there's some hesitancy uh, among the upper end buyers or some homeowners saying that they cannot uh, get the full tax benefit anymore, so they want to list their home and maybe downsize. So there is some of that dynamics, um, uh, but I think this is where uh, there's an opportunity uh, for uh, potential home buyers recognizing this changes in dynamics, uh, try to bargain for you know better deals. Uh, so uh, people uh, in the New York City metro clearly need to take this into consideration in terms of buying and selling decisions. Do you think that? Um do you think, because I mean, again, I'm seeing it, but this is not through a scientific study I've done, but I'm seeing a lot of the baby boomers who are kind of the, maybe in their, say, late 60s, early 70s, if they don't have a business that's uh, based in, in the metro area where they can do their business from wherever, I see them being lured by some of the, like Florida and some of the tax states that taxes are a lot lower. Uh, and so, you know, I see kind of, do you see those kind of states growing? Like, what do you see? You know, I, I know Florida's got its problem, you know, the high end is also suffering. But do you see a lot of movement because of that? Or the baby boom? Oh, well. Uh, well, we have seen the trend of people living in the northeast region, uh, moving into warmer southern states, uh, whether it is Florida, Texas, or Arizona. So that movement has always occurred, uh, at least among some uh, baby boomers as they retire. Um, but with the changes in the tax law, uh, that trend could accelerate. Uh, and we also have to recognize that the baby boomer population is uh, sizable. Every day, uh, 10,000 Americans turn 65. Wow. Uh, so among uh, that population, uh, some will want to seek out warmer weather. Uh, but if there is a lure of lower taxes, that's an additional incentive. Uh, so I think that trend will uh, continue. Uh, but at the same time, in terms of job center, uh, high paying jobs, it is in big metro markets, so like New York City, continuing to generate high-paying jobs, and Amazon is an added bonus uh, to the New York City market. Yeah, and wouldn't you agree for all of those naysayers about New York? The, you know, it's becoming a tech center, and the more that people want to be here, that's what keeps prices up. <laughs> and the higher the city is, and, and, and I don't know where they're going to fit all these people, but... Um, the higher the city is, it helps all the suburbs around it. Now, are you seeing, Lawrence, like, in, in, are you seeing um, around the country where, like, 
let's say the 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 close the suburbs that are close to the main cities are are attracting some of the millennials who can't afford to be in the main main you know in the hub of the city. Um, what so, do you see uh, happening to the suburbs? Uh, generally, uh, one can get a better bargain or, say, a larger size home for the same price as one moves out of the downtown city center uh, areas. So that is the trade-off. So uh, what we find is that millennial generation who have high income, uh, they want a walkable community near the job center. But as soon as they have a kid uh, or needing to find a school district, then they begin to move out to the suburbs. So that pattern will always occur uh, and the uh, overwhelming number of home buyers are uh, families uh, with children, uh, but nonetheless, uh, we have to also recognize that many single people are also buying, particularly uh, unmarried single females uh, who have been just uh, become much more financially responsible at an earlier age, and they are buying home within their budget and start building wealth uh, right away. You know, that, Lawrence, that's so important because I don't think enough real estate uh, companies pay attention to that uh, the single female bars is greater by almost double the male singles. And um, I'm not sure that people market to them, but, you know, that, and that's going to continue to grow. In my opinion. Uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, one looks at the uh, college enrollment, it's almost running 60-40 in terms of female versus male uh, enrollment situation. Wow. So one can see that in the future are so uh, where the demand for housing uh, will be uh, because it's the college graduates over time are the ones who are buying homes. So, Lawrence, give us your best call for what do you see uh Next year, what do you see for the remainder of this year and going forward? What do you see as far as prices, interest rates, uh, uh, you know, trends? What do you what are you seeing? Uh, for the next couple of months, it's a little tricky because uh, we are uh, in the winter months. Uh, winter months tends to be more uh, volatile, much slower than, say, the spring or summer months. Uh, but once we come to the spring buying season, I think the buyers will resume back. Uh, the inventory choices will be more widely available, which is good news for consumers that don't have to worry about constantly massive multiple bidding fighting uh, situations, so more healthier situation. And overall in 2019, home sales should be roughly about the same as in 2018. Uh, and home price rising, uh, but not uh, those easy price gains. So the price gains would be more to the tune of 2 to 4%, meaning more moderate price gains uh, occurring. And mortgage rates, just moderately higher, maybe 5.5% by year in 2019. Okay, but and they and they're coming, you know, with uh, some programs to make it easier for the millennials to buy. I, I I read that somewhere. So they're trying. The banks are trying to work more with millennials and credit companies and stuff of that nature. But your forecast is pretty good. And let me and I and I really thank you so much. I hope you'll come on again. But let me just ask you this because it's my opinion, and I tell sellers and buyers, and I tell all our. Our, our listeners, that if the market spikes, you know, and it goes up like 10%, 12%, now if you're a seller, that you think that's great. But at the end of the day, what comes up must come down. So in a way, I kind of think we have healthy growth. It's not, you know, it's kind of moving along and it doesn't have its peaks and valleys. It's just kind of steady. Would you 
describe it that uh, way? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I will say that, you know, next year price projection of 2 to 4%, uh, there will be very healthy, balanced, sustainable growth, uh, something that both the buyer and sellers, I think, will agree with. Thank you so much, Lawrence. I really hope you'll come on again. I really, we can't tell you how much we thank you. And I want to wish you and your family the happiest Thanksgiving. And I uh, hope you'll be on again soon. We'll be right back. Uh, enjoy after- being on the show. Thank enjoy you. Enjoy being on the show. Thank you. We'll Bye. be right back after our commercial break. Um, we'll be right back. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back and you're listening to I on Real Estate. And hey, that was great that Lawrence did. I mean, that's really a, a, a special thing for him to come on the show. He's a really busy man. And his read on the market, I mean, no one has 100% uh, guaranteed except the man above, but uh, I think that his read on it is pretty close to, you know, with all the numbers and uh, the data across the country, and it's pretty much parallel yeah. across the country, you know what I'm saying? What did you think, Jerry? Very interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a, for our listeners, this is a very highly respected economist, you know, some some people put him in the top 10, but, you know, he's regularly quoted, obviously he's employed by the NIR, so his focus is always on housing, but he's looking at broader economic trends and uh he's uh you know he's a very learned guy it was very interesting to hear him yeah and if you have any questions for lawrence you know you can always email us and we'll get them to him and you I'm like gonna, the amazon deal too so for yeah all i mean i don't you know what I, I understand that it's going to be traffic and there's oh, more people fuck. but you don't understand those kind of things are what makes a, uh, an area go up that's right. So you won't are, complain when you sell your property and you're going to get more money for it because there's a big demand and people have jobs. Um, and they're good paying jobs. These are not yeah. jobs. These are good paying yeah. jobs. So I'm going to give you a profile of buyers and sellers in a second, but I just have to do this. I'm not going to read this because I would be on the, on the air for half an hour and I was going to. I was like, maybe this is a story I want to tell, but I... I, I, I think I'm just going to give you the beginning, and maybe every week I'll give you a little bit more. Of course, I read this, and it's called The Watcher, and it's a true story, and it's a family bought their dream house, okay? But according to the creepy letters they started to get, they weren't the only ones interested in the home, okay? Um, the home, 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey, which by the... Way is an expensive part of Jersey. One night in June 2014, Derek Brodus had just finished an evening of painting at his new home in Westfield, New Jersey, when he went outside to check the mail. Derek and his wife Maria had closed on the six-bedroom house at 657 Boulevard three days earlier and were doing some renovations before they moved in. So there wasn't much in the mail except a few bills and a white card-shaped envelope. It was addressed in thick, clunky handwriting to the new owner. That's what the, the, the note said in the envelope, to the new owner. And the typed note inside began warmingly. Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. 
That's nice. Okay. Well, Jerry, when you talk about healers that you're not, so just listen to this. I did Uh this on your account also. For the Broaduses, buying 657 Boulevard has fulfilled a dream. Mm. Marie was raised in Westfield, and the house was a few blocks from her childhood home. Derek grew up there, and then he became an insurance, and he grew the ladder, and he now could afford the $1.3 million home. The board has had bought 657 Boulevard just after he celebrated his 40th birthday. But as Derek kept reading the letter from his new neighbor, it took a turn. The letter then said, how did you end up here? The writer asked, did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? The letter went on. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s and my father in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of this house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? (laughs) Why are you here? I will find out. And I'm going to leave it at that. And a little, each week I'll tell you a little more. But this is a true story, so I just wondered if you ever get a letter like that. Okay. I, so I, would just, I would immediately put it in the shredder. I mean, <laughs> well, why would you even read the end of that letter? Well, it goes on and he gets more letters, okay? Uh-huh. So this is a whole, if I, I, you know, if it was short, I would have done the whole thing, but it will take a half an hour. I just thought, and it's a true story, and I, it just happened not too long ago, and I, I, uh, we had a woman on who uh, does spiritual cleanses or whatever she, you know, something mm, like yeah, that. Yeah. And again, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know if you believe in that or not. Uh, but we're going to find out if the, what's be- behind the walls of this house. You should just sell it to him. Okay. Well, he doesn't identify himself. Okay. Well, he maybe, just maybe, says, see, if I were one of these cleansers, I would write those letters. <laughs> and then I would just, you know, casually call upon the person, make sure everything's all right. And then be like, well, actually, I've, I've got a haunting here. I've got somebody and you kind of drum up business, right? Well, I know. Uh, and and he, he goes on to say that, you know, I, I, do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me, because the man had kids. Was your old house too small for the growing family that you have? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them too. Sick me. The envelope had no return address. Who am I? The person wrote. Hmm. That is your, your, you'll have to figure it out. And I time, just will go on. But it is kind of creepy. Yeah, it is kind of creepy. Okay. Very. And then it goes on to, to mention he knows the names of the kids. It's creepy. Anyhow, oh, I'll really finish. Um, that's terrible. I know. But I did uh, compile some, some interesting information, which I did get from Lawrence Young, and um, want to give it to you. This is the 2018 profile of home buyers and sellers. So for 2018, for a buyer, the typical age of a home buyer, take a guess, guys. What do you think? T- typical average age of a home buyer? Yeah. Mm, 35? Yeah. Yeah, I would have thought the same thing, but, you know, we're, we, we'd all be wrong. It's a lot older. 
It's 46. Really? Wow. Really? That's average, Which seems huh? like outrageous to me. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they're including second home buyers in that. I'm going to have to find out. Because, you know, if there were second home buyers in that, then yeah. I could understand mm-hmm. it being higher. You know what I'm saying? I don't, it doesn't mm-hmm. say first-time buyers. So I don't know if that – we'll have to find – married couples were 63% of the buyers nationally. Single females, which Lawrence talked about, 18% of the buyers were single females compared to single males were only 9%. Mm -hmm. And that single female is growing. I mean, women are really getting empowered. I hate to tell you guys. Yeah, look at Congress. If you're you're a a guy that's kind of in the senior years, whatever you consider senior, well, you might not – see it in your lifetime, but I just see it. I just see what's going on. Um, and it, and it's good. It'll be equal. Equal rights for equal people. And women are not going to have to necessarily be married to buy a house. And neither are men. You know, usually like in the 1950s or 60s, I think, it was kind of like you didn't buy a house if you weren't married, like, you know, for right. most part, right? Unmarried couples were 8%. So 8% of the people that bought a nationally were unmarried couples. Actually now, first-time buyers were 33% of the buyers nationally. So that's a big number. Big number. Now the median price of the first-time buyers, so that's where the number, it must have included, like I said, everybody, because the median age of the first-time buyer was 32, hmm. which yeah. sounds normal. Yeah, that sounds right. good. So it's sounds, gone up now. Yeah. yeah. Well, because they had student debt and they got out of school with student debt and they put off buying. They got out a lot of them during a recession. And so, you know, they put off, you know, they they did everything later. Like, you know, there were people, you know, years ago, maybe 15 years ago, people got married at 20, 21, 22. I mean, you were an old maid at 30. If you weren't married at 30, I was like, oh, that's an old maid. (laughs) Remember the card game, old maid? Terrible. I know. Didn't you play that as a kid? Yes, I think politically, I know. I, would that be politically yeah. correct anymore? I don't think it's nice to say old maid. I mean, I probably. But the woman had gray hair. I remember the card. She had gray <laughs> hair and a bun, and she was the old maid. And really, they would say, "Oh, that poor, poor woman, poor so and so. She's thirty-five and she an old maid. Never got married." <laughs> Okay, I was like, really? <laughs> Things have changed. Um, better in that regard, yeah. Much better. Buyers <laughs> with children under the age of 18 in the home that are home um, made up 34%. And that was the lowest data set in history. So that wasn't a high – there's been many higher numbers. And I, I don't know why that would be, but we'll, we'll have to check it out. I think lack of supply. Um, 2018, the profile for sellers was the typical home seller was aged 55. Married couples uh, constituted 71%. Um, Single females that sold were 17%. So again, for those people who are marketing, even if it's not real estate, you know, that female population is really starting to rise of singles. Mm-hmm. Single males, 6% were sellers. Unmarried couples were 4%. So they didn't sell as quickly. or They were still 
I think I'm going to have to take a break. Typical tenure in home before selling. What do you think that number is? Mm, five years. Five years. Higher. Nine. Nine. Mm. Okay, and I'll do this before the break. Sellers with children under the age of 18 in their home, 32%. We'll be right back. I'll continue the profile right after the break. 866-970-9622. We'll be right back with Ion Real Estate. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back, and, uh, you know, we're really getting ready to get ready for Thanksgiving, which is probably the biggest holiday that we celebrate, and we all want to give thanks for being here and being alive, and I think it's turkeys and families, and a lot of people go away. Uh, a lot of cooking, a lot of eating. I'm not doing turkey this year, though. I've you changed. know, uh, my Nobody family really said the it. same thing. Nobody yeah. really loves it. <laughs> no, it's everybody eats it just because of tradition. I'm doing crown roast of pork. It's much more. You're delicious. not going to fry the turkey, Jerry? Uh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but fact, you know, everyone in my family said the same thing. Nobody really loves turkey, yeah. but you know, we're gonna like. So I said, well, we'll just get like a small turkey just for the. You know, I, I recount the story of what I was actually a very shy kid, which most people find hard to believe. Um, up until 16, I barely talked. But um, my mother always used to tell the family, save the dark meat for jury and the turkey. And for years, years, I was forced to eat this. And finally, when I came out of my shell, I, I announced at one Thanksgiving dinner that I didn't like dark meat turkey. I don't. Everybody just, everybody just froze and looked at me. And I was, said, well, how come you never said anything before? Because you always so, good. I was always good, yeah. Yeah, I see what was good. Yeah, so uh, so I think everyone looks forward to that holiday. Yes, it's kind of it's a, a wonderful holiday. A wonderful holiday, and we all give thanks. And by the way, next next week, since our show has been cut again for an hour because of the game, um, we are going to do a best of. Uh, so uh, next week we won't be live. We will do a best of some of our shows, and the show will only be an hour, but we'll be back live right after that. Mm. Uh by the way, just for the record, just so when we're talking, you know, the silent generation, which is about 73 years old to 90. They call them the silent, silent generation? generation? Yeah. What that's is that, what they call what's, them. what's the silent generation? Why? Why they're they born they... in 1928 to 1945. Why are they they're silent? silent because they're uh, well, they're silent intubated? Because, or... they're, <laughs> because they're, they were probably like kind of more courteous, you know, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They call them. I've, the nev- si- I've never well, heard that. Before. That's what they call them, the Silent Generation. Okay. Now, I've co- they, they probably have a few other names, but I didn't. This is what I have when I looked up all the stats, and they don't go past ninety. Now there are some that are a hundred that are alive, but you know, what do they you don't. Call them? Well, I don't know. The yeah. Silent Silent Generation. <laughs> the very. But although old when you're a hundred years old or you're ninety, frankly, who gives an s? Like, what do you care? Say whatever you want. What are you going to say to someone who's 90 who's got a yeah, lot? Exactly, right. What are you going to say? You shouldn't say that? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, at that point. <laughs> baby boomers, by the way, were born 1946 to 1964, so they're 54 to 72 years old. So mm-hmm. that's a big number. Yeah. Yeah. And those baby boomers are, um, the oldest ones are kind of, I don't know if they're retiring or semi-retiring or, you know, whatever. They're close, yeah. But they're getting close to, and that's going to really impact 
Medicare and Medicaid and all that kind of stuff, and that's going to impact Social Security, I think. But I think they already raised the, the age of Social Security already by a year or two. Well, they have to. They have to. I mean, they Depending have to be, on when you were born. People are living longer. Yeah. Generation X was born in 1965 to 1980. That's me. I'm Gen X. We're not really known for anything, though. Gen X is They're known for nothing. They're the boring (laughs) generation. I mean, I'm just making that up. It just says, but they really weren't known for anything. 38 to 53 was kind of like Mm. a... I'm still on the silent generation. Oh, Stephen's in the silent generation. We'll ask Stephen when he's on the show next time. He's in the silent generation. Millennials? Born 1981 to 1996, which you're 22 to 37 years old. And that is the logic demographic, the largest. And they're going to make the trends. They're they're a trend. They're trendsetters. They're going to push the trends. Yeah, they're they're irritating. irritating. Oh, they are. God. (laughs) Well, a lot of the uh, baby boomers don't know how to deal with the millennials. Well, because they're always late and they're they're all, you know, focused on themselves. Right. But maybe they're smarter than we were. Mm-hmm. We work 24-7. And as my daughter tells me, <laughs> What's wrong with hey, that? mom, you could work 24-7. I won't be. Right. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm working 24-7, and that's why you have the things that you have. If you want to work 9 to 5, you'll never. But you know what? It's really, you know, I, I don't know how you do it, so I'm not the one to ask. I could not balance work. Uh, and do a great job and say, okay, I'm leaving at 5 o'clock. I mean, it just I, didn't work that way for me. I feel guilty sometimes when I'm, I'm leaving at that time. I feel yeah. guilty because like I'm doing something wrong. Millennials, but, you know, I mean, millennials, they call sick on week two. Yeah, they're, they're cool with, you know, hey, listen. Yeah. And, of I'm course, really working lost. out of post-millennials, they're born 1997 to present or 21 years old. No, they're not. I mean, they're just going to college. Yeah, college. but they're – hey, but listen – if you're smart, you want to introduce your product, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. You know, you take the gap. There's baby gap and there's the gap. Because they want their, the kids to know the brand. So when they oh, grow absolutely. up, they, they only use that brand because that's w- what they know. One of my friends in the cosmetic business was telling me about um, um, Kardashian, the Kardashian cosmetic thing. It was all online. They did it all on uh, social media. And... It's worth billions of dollars. It's and whether amazing. you like them or not, they are brilliant marketers. They I are. don't care whether you they like are. them or you don't. Yeah. They are brilliant in marketing. Brilliant. They, they and it's really not, know you know what? It's not the best man or best woman that always wins. It's someone who knows how to market it well. That's right. And captures those. They're great. That's now, so just getting back to the trends. Uh, millennials are the largest share of home buyers at 36%. So they constitute, and so therefore sellers, if the odds are that it might be a millennial buyer that you're going to get, I would kind of get my home ready, and we'll talk about mm. that in one of the future shows, like to appeal to a millennial. <laughs> By 2021, they say they will make up 65% of the first wow. time buyer's body, so... Just by a couple years away. 60, oh, right. 65% of the boys will... Yeah. Oh, but they, How do you appeal to a millennial in your home? I mean, what, what, what do you do? Well, I used to tell them. I set think, all the clocks ahead. So yeah, I think <laughs> set all the clocks ahead. <laughs> that's another... They're all, that's another I mean, what is it with your... You're on time, Ace, but I'm your generation is just late. But um, I, I would say, you know, set your, set your homes to a smart home. 
I mean, I mean that's what a lot of millennials now, you know, they don't even turn, turn on their lights by themselves. They call Alexa. I do it all on the, everything's you know? on the app. And the yeah. other day, I had people in the for the marathon. And what if the they don't have the app? And they, we couldn't turn the lights off in their bedroom. What if they don't have on. the app? They don't know what to do with themselves, right? Mm-hmm. They don't know how to turn on a light. You know, it keeps your guests from staying too long, too. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> you just turn off their access to the app. No, but it's, you know, it's hard to believe what life was like before. But I was, I tell my daughter, I liked it when, you know what? There was no cell phones, and you had to say, Mom, sorry, I couldn't call you and tell you I was going to be late, but I ran out of yeah. coins. I didn't have a quarter <laughs> to put in the phone. Right. Or my and answer machine. Now they function. can track you. My daughter says, oh, I track my daughter. I have things in her sneakers. Well, they couldn't track <laughs> us, oh, yeah, and thank no. goodness for that. Can you okay? imagine? I mean, they, they really track knew? them. Right. No. I mean, I guess it's good <laughs> in certain ways, but I mean, if you're a kid, it's kind of tough. I was bad, but my brothers always got caught. I never got caught. I was just as bad, but they were just dumb the way they did things. Right. Now, you generally, never really got caught. Oh, well, I never got No, my daughter did, but I didn't. I said I was much smarter than you. Because <laughs> you knew what she because was doing. Because you knew what she was doing. Yeah, exactly. I really was. Much. Um, Generation Xers consists of 26% of recent home buyers. They are the most racially and ethnically diverse population of home buyers. Um, with 26% identifying that they are a race other than white Caucasian. Um, so home buying is really growing across all lines, um, and people want to buy. I mean, I, you know, that, I, I love to get all the people that wrote it was the end of real estate in the recession. Yeah. Younger baby boomers consist of 18% of our recent buyers. So younger baby boomers are probably in their 50s, 55, Mm -hmm. 56, something like that. Um, They have a higher household median income and are more likely to have children under the age of 18 in their home. I hope That's not. because they're on their fine. second or third marriage, okay? Oh, right. And Just remember that. Stop. Kids now, yeah. Okay, my granddaughter. I have a granddaughter. And my friend's kids are, 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 are the, her age. Yeah. Okay, because well, they, they're on their later. second. What? Yeah. People yeah, have so kids they, later also. Yeah. Well, yeah, they have kids later, but they also have a, multiple marriages. Right. Yeah. Right. Right? So, so. Well, look at the president. I mean, he's got a young uh, baron. Yes. Like yes. 12. Or 12. 13, you know? 12. So... Um, they can, okay, so the older baby boomers consist of 14%. They typically move the longest distance. They will drive longer. Uh, they will drive 30 miles. Now the uh, who, who will do that? The who does that? Baby, the older baby boomers. Oh, they Whereas like the, they the, the millennials yeah. will not. Oh, well, it's not convenient. They wouldn't want to drive any <laughs> extra time. It's not convenient. No, this no, has to be right next door. Right, I mean, it's right not there. convenient. <laughs> but the baby boomers will. <laughs> Uh, and are likely to make compromises on their home purchases where the uh, millennials do not. They don't want to fix her up or they want it done. They oh. don't want to wait. Yeah. They don't have to do any work. Okay. Now, the silent generation, I don't know why they call it the silent generation, but the silent generation are 6% of recent buyers – so I guess they're still buying. What are they buying? A nursing home? I don't know. They're old. <laughs> Hopefully not Dementia City. But I'm to, no, I'm not making fun of that. My dad had it, and I've, I found a lot of research no, about I'm it. I'm not making fun, okay, but that's a but good name for a town. A town? Welcome to Dementia City. <laughs> also known as Washington. <laughs> Jerry, listen, if there's no hope, that's where we'll have to go. Exactly. They are least likely and we won't to, know where we are because right. we're in Dementia. They are least likely to purchase a detached single home. 
Uh, because they're at that age, 28% purchase in senior-related housing, and they tend to purchase the newest homes. Um, all generations of buyers continue to consult real estate agents. They're still very in, regardless yes. of what you hear, or brokers to help them buy and sell their home. You need expert Amen. advice. Amen. Yep. Can't okay, do it Okay, because they've been saying it's the end of real estate brokers for like 25, 30 years. Oh, and I got to tell you. A good real estate broker is worth its weight in gold. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And so is a good attorney and a mortgage person. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and enjoy it. And we'll be back right after the holiday. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.